even if you're at the senior level your learning never stops and all those jobs that i was doing of course some of them was just for me to make sure i could sustain myself financially yeah sometimes you just have to um take a risk and and walk away from something you're very comfortable with you have to make that move never regret any decision hmm. is my motto attitude me at work in life is more important than the experience or or, or the yeah. expertise that you have never have the imposter syndrome which means never think any job is too big for you welcome everybody to monadina talks the show where we gain insight into individuals from different industries and discover what it is that drives them to their success Hi, I'm Zara. I'll be joining my brother Ali, co-hosting a brilliant guest that we have on today. But before we jump into this episode, make sure to like, comment and subscribe and turn on notifications by pressing the bell icon. Okay, let's jump straight into the episode. Hope you enjoy. Welcome everybody to the second episode of Moladina Talks. Again, we have another brilliant guest with us today. We have Sajid Ali. Um, Sajid, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Ali and Zara? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing great as well. Thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, I think this would be very um, a good uh, episode for all the people watching, and I'm sure a lot of people can learn and benefit a lot from it. So, um, just by starting, then for people who don't know about you, haven't heard about you before, could you give us a little introduction about yourself? Okay. Um, well, my name is Sajid Ali. I um... I'm currently working as an associate director of human resources in in one of the UN uh, United Nations agencies, um, and uh, I'm I'm from Pakistan. I've worked and uh, lived in many parts of the world. I've had great experiences, and um, yeah, it's 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 been it's it's not that easy where uh, you get to at the end, but it, the journey is what you enjoy. So let's. And that's what I wanted to talk a bit about today. Yeah, brilliant. Sounds really excited. Thank you for uh, coming on today. So, um, since COVID is the most current thing at the moment, I was wondering, has it affected your uh, current job and your personal life? And if so, in what way? Yes, I, I don't think anybody um, has been immune to COVID, whether as a pandemic or as the repercussions that have come about. And uh, I'm no exception. Uh, I think it's work-wise, it's been a big challenge. Um, I've been working from home since March last year and really adjusted. I wasn't a big fan of working from home. I, I really learned to do that during this pandemic and now kind of uh, have mastered the art of it. But we're looking forward to going back, uh, hopefully in either July or September and uh, continuing our life how it used to be because some of us have really forgotten about that aspect. Personally, of course, it does affect you. Uh, it does affect uh, your family. We have had our own challenges at home, but uh, we've, we've overcome them. Hopefully we've seen the worst already behind us, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's uh, to do with uh, your health, whether it's it's to do with the, just just being isolated and, and just being uh, put in a box or, or limited uh, interactions that we have had uh, but but we've kind of managed now i think we've learned a lot from this and a lot of it would be mainstreamed into how offices function how work functions and how uh, society functions and hopefully we have learned some good lessons out of it yeah it sounds like a, a really important way and a really different kind of lifestyle isn't it so I guess it's it's had its positives and negatives and hopefully we'll take the positives forward exactly yeah hopefully you've seen the worst of that um yeah so i'm very intrigued to know about your job so could you tell us a bit about the kind of responsibilities you have on a daily basis weekly basis and that sort of thing so uh, i work in human resources so you are faced with everything the good the bad and the ugly and you have to deal with it so uh, it's very important that uh, you have the right perspective which is it is a job and you're doing it as a job it should not consume you 
It should uh, not be something that when you go back home, you're thinking about it all the time. Um, or when you're on a break or when you when you have your weekends, you have to make sure that uh, there's, there's some kind of ring fencing between your life and your work. And, and, and I think that's true for every job, but in jobs like these where there's a lot of interaction with people, especially um, when you're trying to provide advice, when you're trying to uh, resolve conflicts, when you're looking at how to better the work environment um, the, and take care of the well-being of your uh, colleagues in the organization. So you need to stay resilient um, and, and you need to make sure that your objective in, in everything that you do. And, and also very important is the empathy perspective. I think it's uh, mm. there's, there's that's something you need to really focus on because uh, what you think or what your perception or what your experience of things things have been or situations have been might not be the same for others. So you, you really have to um, have have your empath empathy cap on all the time and your listening skills have to be spot on. Is that that's that's very important and and having a um, problem solving attitude. That, that really helps. So and yeah, a typical day before was very different uh, in, in my previous jobs. And even in this job, a typical day would be six months on, uh, on travel and, and going to different parts of, of the world to look at what's happening, to represent the organization, to uh, listen to what our colleagues have and what their issues are in, in different parts of the world and, and providing solutions, bringing, bringing the lessons learned back and, and uh, then again, sharing it, communicating well and, and adjusting what the organization does in terms of its main asset, which is the, the human resources of, of the organization. But now it's it's a lot of uh, early starts, uh, early meetings, Zoom calls. Now we're mostly on team calls. Um, and I think it has advantages and disadvantages. So it, it has brought people closer in, in the sense that there's more participation, there's more inclusion now. Hierarchy has kind of been broken because of, of having these, in the, I would say, virtual calls. You can you can you don't have to limit the people in a room. You can just be open. Time zones, nothing matters anymore, uh, and we can be more, um, as I said, inclusive and and participating. It does come at a price, which is I'm sure we work much more than we did before. The hours have gone up because the time we spend commuting, having lunch breaks, socializing is all now been taken away, and now you're focusing on 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 meetings, calls, emails all the time. So the minute you sit on your computer to the time you switch it off in the evenings. So, so yeah, that's the difference we, we have from then and now and, and more or less what uh, encapsulates the job that I do. Yeah. Wow, that's great. So um, I was wondering about some of the challenges that you face and how you resolve them. So the challenges are um, there. If there are no challenges in your job, this would be quite routine and boring. So that's what keeps you going. And I think the biggest ones for me are the uh, interpersonal issues, uh, the conflicts that, that have to be resolved in, in, in your work. And there, as I was mentioning, you have to really have a perspective where you're open to um, every kind of opinion. Um, because when someone talks to you, they convince you they're right. And when the other person talks to you, they convince you they're, they're right too. So how do you draw the line there? So that's where you have to be um, very objective. You, you need to make sure you're using all your um, experience, all your interactions that you've had in, in life, whether it's at work or, or outside work, on, on well, well, where are people coming from? What is their... Um, what is their goal? What do they want out of these um, resolutions? What, what, what exactly is, is the point that they want to be heard and action taken? So that, that helps. Of course, not every issue has the same uh, solution or the same uh, tactic or, or, or the same way of, of getting to that end result. And, and that's where you need to, um, uh, you need to really rethink, uh, you need to be open about it, you need to consult, maybe uh, just ponder over some past uh, experiences. 
and then at the end of the day, yeah, whatever you do, you should have to make sure you've done your best towards it. And, and sometimes you have to agree that things would not be resolved. And, and that's fine because there are some irreparable differences between individuals or some issues that, that probably need a higher level um, escalation or, or that's something that you might find a temporary solution and that's okay. Apart from that, I mean, when it comes to uh, leading teams, I think I, I have learned over the years um, through different experiences by working under different bosses, by working uh, with different supervisees and peers on, on how personalities work, how, how those dynamics play, and, and then you adjust. And, and I think I've, I've, I've done quite a lot of, um, uh, what do you call it, a lot of thinking on this and, and uh, whenever you start a new job or whenever you go to a new organization, you do take some time to settle down, to make your big moves, to get to know people, to start uh, building a reputation, a credibility, and, and, and that kind of uh, takes time. And, but once that's in place, people know you, you know people, you know their style, they know your style, and then things work more smoothly than it would if you just came in and just went like a bulldozer and tried to do things your way it doesn't work yeah yeah you have yeah. to you have to listen you have to observe before you take any decisions yeah. yeah wow um just just going back to when you're speaking about um the hierarchy and how it's changed on um over zoom or teams or whatever uh, you use i was wondering i have the institutional dynamic shifted in a good way so I mean, have like when you said the hierarchy is kind of leveled out, I think you mentioned, has has it been easier to address certain issues and certain challenges because of because of that? Yes, I think it has definitely has. We have more voices now. You have more opinions. Uh, you have more inclusion. The diversity is there um, for us, even with bigger groups, with our management team uh, composition, we, we now have added uh, younger staff in it. We have added uh, different levels of staff in there. And, and so they bring in the perspective that, that you may be missing uh, when you're sitting at the top, you don't see a lot of things happening in the organization. I think that has happened even in meetings, I would say uh, those who would dare not speak or, or would, would just hesitate a bit are now more open if they can just drop their comments in, uh, in, in the chat box rather than having to raise your hand and be very visible and speak. Yeah. And then there are others yeah, who, who, who are very comfortable talking, putting their video on and talking. And we encourage video to be on. It's not mandatory, but we do encourage because we think it can, the connectivity is much better when that happens. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the hierarchy, I would say, has flattened out a bit because of that. And, and the, my current organization, is not a typical organization where you have a very um, vertical hierarchy, but but still, it's 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 even better than what was before, and and I feel that it's more inclusive. And technology yeah. has a lot to do, and so is the way of working right now. Yeah, that's good that there's some positives amongst all the yeah. hardships <laughs> of of this current situation. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I was just wondering. Um, so. With you being heavily involved in the recruitment at UNICEF, I was just wondering, considering you would, I'm sure you'd be involved in recruiting a lot of um, highly qualified applicants, what sort of qualities and attributes do you look for in the recruitment process? So for recruitment processes, of course, I've been involved in a lot of them in, in this job and in previous jobs. Um, I think for my current job, I would say that we, we do have uh, very clear fields of uh, what we call technical areas, more on the operational side. And then we have areas on, on um, if you call partnerships and, and the whole part of uh, ID innovation. So skills are different, what you need. There are different levels of jobs that we have in the organization. So. We, we do look a lot now for um, younger talent coming into the organization because in, in organizations which are very well established and, and have been there for a long time, you will see that 
the the average age is always much higher people tend to stay in the organization so you the percentage of younger people in the organization needs to be um, improved and then that's where we're focusing on and by creating more entry-level jobs that that's how you can do so uh, we have different programs whether it's internship or volunteer programs that uh, we can get younger talent to come into the organization the types of job on the corporate side of course you you are looking at uh, areas like uh, finance human resources uh, administration uh, communications um, then then on, on the more partnership sides you're looking at jobs uh, related to partnerships fundraising um, and then you have uh, research jobs then and then the final big area technical area is where the organization works whether it's in the field of health education um, and whether it's uh, to do with uh, others like we we also be looking very closely now at the migration urbanization um, and and child protection so all of these technical areas also will be quite prominent because this is our bread and butter and that's 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 where we have most of our presence in in countries on the ground but then at the same time at management level we do need leaders in the organization to 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 lead us set the vision set the mission and and set the direction for where the organization needs to go not only where they need to go, but where they need to keep adapting to, uh, the direction because the world is changing a lot. And uh, yeah, that's that's where the think tank comes from. Yeah, it's interesting how many different factors you pay attention to and it must be quite difficult. And then you have to look at all these factors and kind of compare the applicants in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so moving on from that, um, on the show, we quite like to go through the journey of our guests. So could you tell us a bit about what you were doing before you were working at UNICEF? Oh my God, my career has been very varied. Uh, I've done so many different kinds of jobs, um, starting from uh, just being a production assistant in a movie. It was a, a ITV channel for a movie that was being shot in Pakistan. It was in 91, I think, yeah. And, and I was like uh, the assistant to the costume designer. Oh. So it was great being oh, on set and, and actually looking <laughs> at a movie being um, filmed. And, and I had never had that experience. It was short term, it was three months, but it was a great experience. Um, the second job after that, I was I joined like an advertising agency and, and worked on, on the administration side. but. Uh, this is all happening while I was still studying. So I, I have always been, I feel like I've always been working, um, whether it's from uh, right after high school days. And uh, from the advertising experience, then I moved to journalism and I worked in an English newspaper in, in Pakistan for, uh, I think it was close to four years. It was a great experience. I mean, being a journalist, getting the opportunity to go out in the field, being the, having the opportunity to write articles, have pub, be the voice of many uh, issues that may have not made it to the media or to people's attention. I, I thought I contributed towards that. And then in very, moved on to a very different field. I went into cloth merchandising. You've never probably heard of that. But, but that also gave me a good experience of dealing with uh, international clients, even though it was, it was again, it was a localized um, company, but their main business was exporting uh, fabrics and cloth uh, and garments to different parts of the world. So I was responsible for the Australian and, and European clients, and I had a great experience uh, with them too. Before I, and again, it's just out of luck, I just found a job with uh, this organization called IUCN, International Union for Conservation of Nature. And that was all about uh, uh, how do we conserve and protect the environment and, and, the, and the species. And it's, it's the oldest and biggest in, uh, environmental organization in the world till now. Uh, I think, and, and I worked with them for 19 years then oh, wow. at different levels. I started off as an assistant and went on to become the director of HR in, a, uh, in, in 15 years, I reached that part. And by 19 years, I left the organization and I worked with them in five different countries. So that, that gave me a good uh, uh, international experience of, of working in different contexts and lots of learning. And that job has really uh, served me well in my career. And 
and there are so many things that I could talk about from those experiences, but maybe make, we can catch, catch up with them and later questions. Yeah. Was that was that your last job before you came to the to your current? Yeah, so yeah, position? it was the last job. I mean, I was based in DC, uh, Washington DC in that job. Before that, I was with them in uh, Switzerland, before in Vietnam and Laos, and before that in Thailand, and started off in Pakistan. So that that was my journey. Wow. So, um. There's probably a lot of differences, but can I ask you the differences between your previous job and your current job? Yeah, huge differences. I mean, the scale, um, I think the United Nations is huge. It, it has a, a much bigger presence than any kind of other organization in the sector. It, it is well known um, and UNICEF in particular is uh, is a very strong brand that everybody recognizes. You don't have to explain to anybody on, on what UNICEF does, um, whereas there may be many other organizations that you do um, have to kind of give an elevator speech to, to figure out, for others to figure out what 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 is the mandate and what we do. I, I liked, in, what I liked in my previous job was the, um, the, the informality in there. And we didn't really have a very strict dress code. We didn't really have uh, clocking in and out. So um, in terms of monitoring hours, um, a lot of it was built on trust. A lot of it was um, built on local practices that, that each country where you worked had. And, uh, and there were no restrictions or limitations and not a lot of governing bodies or committees and so so that that was it, it was very different of course when you move from um, a country to a headquarter jobs everything keeps getting more formal and and uh, but we, we didn't have a big divide uh, in, in terms of those hierarchies over there and, and staff again their, their motivation as as in in, in the un was very different uh, very uh, mission-driven, passionate about what they do, the field they work in, and very proud of of, uh, of their organization. So, yeah, the differences were there um, in, in terms of the profile of staff. They're much more international staff you see in, in the United Nations than you would see in other organizations. Um, and, and the mobility of staff moving from one country to the other is also much more in the United Nations, and it was a bit less in, in the mm. jobs, yeah. Can I ask you a cheeky question? Because uh, it sounded like you really enjoyed your previous job. Do you prefer your previous job or do you prefer your current position? Well, I love my current job because it's an amazing job and I'm really blessed to have it. I, I feel very lucky um, yeah. to have this job. It is, it, it's um, for my career, I think it's one of the big achievements to be in this mm -hmm. job. And, and, but I do credit all my experience and, and learning from my past job to be successful in, in this job. So I wouldn't say I prefer the previous job to this one. I would say there was a different time in context. At that time, that was the best job for me. And, yeah. and, and I, I enjoyed it. I look back and I have no regrets, but there's always a time to move. Um, you know, when you've maxed out in a certain place and uh, it's time to look for another challenge. And that's what I did. So if I were to, at some point, go back to my own organization, I would do that, but in a different role. And um, so I, I just have great memories. So I, I can't say that one is better than the other, but for the context and for the time, yes, this job is much better suited for my career right now. Wow. I was just gonna ask, um... Did you find it was quite a big transition or a jump um, into UNICEF or did you think your 19 years in DC nicely equipped you to have a smooth transition? So the 19 years not only in DC, DC was just the last six or seven years, the, the rest were oh, in okay. other places. Yeah, it, you have to make an adjustment. I, I think even if you change one job for another job in the organization, you have to make an adjustment. And, and if you've worked in an organization for a very long time and then you move out, and join a totally different setting, yes, that adjustment is needed. 
And as I said, uh, there are some key things you do when you join a new place. Um, you talk to everybody, especially those staff who work closely with you, your peers. You get to know from them um, what, what, what is it that this organization is all about? What are their interests? What are they looking for? Not just for their job, but for in a leader. And uh, then, then you also observe, as I said, don't, don't make any big moves. Uh, wait for the right time. Never criticize the status quo because there are things that are happening which are very good and you can't continue them. So you don't come in and just start uh, thrashing everything that's happened in the past. Now, I don't think that's very fair to do that. And, 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 and uh, I've learned a lot even coming into a new job. Even if you're at a senior level, your learning never stops. So I think that transition part is very important for your own um, learning. And, and uh, if I say on a scale of one to 10, 10 being uh, very hard and one being smooth, I would say the transition would have been around five or six. Uh, so, so it was more on getting used to um, the way the organization works, the culture of the organization, every place has a different work culture and how do you really integrate into that and how do you bring a change? How do you bring a positive change? That's very important, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so earlier you mentioned about previous jobs you had while you were studying and you were in education. So I want to go quite to the beginning of your journey and your story and could you tell us a bit about how your early education was and what sort of things you studied and how you found that? Yeah, so I wasn't really a good student when I was young. I was quite average. And I was average not because I wasn't um, intelligent enough, but uh, my report cards would say uh, very intelligent but careless. I mean, didn't, didn't pay a lot of attention to detail, wasn't very um, keen on deadlines or during exams I would just kind of like want to get over with it so yeah it was it was good but um, and and then you you kind of adapt as you go I think for me what mattered most was I was I did well in my last couple of degrees uh, including my master's in, in human resources when I was already working in Thailand at that time and before that I had done a law degree in an LLB um, when I was in Karachi and a bachelor's in business administration. So all of those helped from time to time. I never went to the best colleges or the best schools, or you say the elite ones in, in whether it was school or, or high school or college or university. But I made sure wherever I did, I, I kind of got by uh, because, you know, there's so much you learn from your education, which can be then uh, taken into your job and practice but what you but the main experience that comes in is from your last probably degree which which was for me was my master's in HR and the the nature of the studies which has a lot of project work and and uh, thesis in there and what you learn on the job I think that's that's what makes your career so for those who, who think it's too late uh, in terms of education or in terms of what they have learned there, it's never too late. Uh, you always have the opportunity to catch up and things that might not have worked at certain times will work at other times. So for me, timing was very important. And all those jobs that I was doing, of course, some of them was just for me to make sure I could sustain myself financially. Uh, I come from a very humble background. There's, there was um, no big inheritance or big family money that was there to support me. Um, always took care of myself from a very young age. Of course, there, there have always been people around me who helped and supported me. So I, I did work because I enjoyed work and I, I had to work. Um, and, and then you come at it, you reach a time in your career when that's, that's not the case, where you have to look, look out for what's better for your career rather than just sustain yourself. So those jobs, as I said, were very interesting. I, I loved most of the aspects in those jobs, the learning, the, the friends that I still have, the colleagues that I still have as friends till this day so uh, you never you never work out of any op opportunity without uh, gaining something and for me those the experience on my cv those learnings and all the friends that i've made uh, i think for me are well worth the time i've spent jumping around jobs mm. and different institutions yeah brilliant okay so 
Um, I was wondering about uh, what made you decide to choose human resources as masters? Well, by the time I did um, dive into my master's, I was already working in a human resources job. And, and I thought it was very important that in addition to the experience, you had the educational background or credibility for it um, by getting a master's degree. And, and I was lucky that um, one of my previous bosses who's been very instrumental in my career had um, suggested a certain master's degree, which, which while I was in Thailand and, and also um, said that we could like uh, find, find time for it, give you some time off to do that. Uh, those, uh, it was a weekday and, and weekend. So it was a com combination of that. So I, I thought that would, that would work well. It, it took three years, um, but yeah, it, it was an investment that I think was well uh, worth the effort. And um, before I did have a law degree, so I could have con continued my human resources work with that law degree because that's one of the requirements that you need is, is, is a degree in, in either law or, or human resources. And, um, and the, yeah, that, that's what prompted me to do it. And I, I, I still think it was a great move and being a very practical kind of masters, it really helped me in my job too. Yeah, three years is a long time for a masters. Yeah, it was a year of, uh, so the first year was called a graduate diploma, and then to do a master's, you need to do two more years. So that's, that's yeah. how it, it's summed up. Yeah, quite full on then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you previously also mentioned that you did a law degree and a business administration degree back in Karachi. And I, uh, in the modern day, you kind of hear a lot of people saying that, especially like subjects like math, they don't, they don't understand like, why do I need to learn this subject if it's not going to be applicable in my everyday life in 10 years time when I go into work? So do you kind of find that those degrees that you did early on kind of enhance your ability to carry out your job now? Or do you kind of agree with the statement that a lot of people don't understand the, the journey to where they have to get to? I mean, I, I think they're right. Um, honestly, when I think back of school and, and my uh, bachelor's degree and, and uh, so I would say law was a bit different. I don't really recall anything from there that has really helped me. Probably um, the writing skills might have helped, um, the communication skills might have helped, but but in terms of the topic uh, or, or the subject and what I work, maybe not so much. The law degree was very interesting because I was the only one in that batch who graduated that did not pursue law and become a lawyer. And uh, there were many reasons for that. One being, I didn't have a family background in, in law. Most of my colleagues were either sons of lawyers or judges or um, yeah, or, or whether it was on the criminal side or the civil side or the, or the business law side. And, and I just didn't, it just didn't click with my personality to be a lawyer. Uh, and, and I didn't do that. And, and I don't regret it because I, I think what I pursued after that really is is, is what suits uh, the core of me, of, of who, who I am and, and, and what I want to be. So yeah, yeah it, was, it was an interesting choice. Yeah. I think it's amazing that you know you, like that, that you can yeah. know what exactly you will be good at. Because I think a lot of people struggle with finding what's right for them. So yeah. I think that's, yeah. No, and sometimes it's, it's, it's accepting who you are. Uh, most of the time, you know who you are, but to accept that, and uh, and also not to um, let a lot of opinions differ what you think um, of of yourself, because uh, nobody knows themselves better than themselves, and and uh, whether it's the best side of them or the worst side of them, you know it yourself. But how do you cope with that? And, and how do you project that? And how do you then uh, in a way uh, attract the, the same kind of people towards you or, or people who are very different, but kind of are compatible with you? I, I find like, and this is a very random statement that I get along very well with people who have the Taurian uh, zodiac sign and, um, and though they have, they are like so different to who I am in terms of personality or or, or what what they are made up of. Uh, but kind of compatibility does not mean you're the same. Uh, you just have mm -hmm. to 
have this uh, have some common um, i would say goals and some and some things that attract you more towards uh, a certain uh, kind of people than others and and that's what i for i myself uh, i'm an arian so um so very different to to a Torian and and I, I love the zodiacs. I I kind of like uh, I I really I, I really uh, I'm intrigued when somebody and I know somebody of a certain zodiac and I try to place them. Yeah, <laughs> really, that's really interesting actually because it's quite a lot out there of um, you know people don't people disagreeing with the whole zodiac thing. Um, and then there's people that just really, really like it and they read the horoscopes and yeah. they want to know what's going to happen mm. to them next week. So. Yeah, I'm not about reading the horoscope <laughs> part, but I just know I kind of like take the three people are uh, a Scorpion or, or they are Libran and what are common things in, in them and, and they're kind of like, you have a good idea of, of what your relationship or interaction will be with them. Yeah. Wow, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so you did your two degrees in Karachi and then you decided to go abroad. I think you mentioned um, Thailand, Switzerland and Vietnam. All right. Um, so how did you find it? Because I assume you're very young back then as well. So how did you manage to adapt to different climate and different kind of people as well that you were moving into that sort of country? Yeah, no, it's it's very different. All the countries that I went, uh, traveled, first thing, very important thing that English was not the national language. Um, so adapting to a new language, even if it's just for very basic interaction, because in the office environment, you kind of get by by English, speaking English. Uh, that, that's very important to just pick up a basic uh, level of uh, language for those uh, different settings that you go and live in. Um, the culture is very different in, in those countries too. So you also learn um, by being there, by reading about it, by talking to your colleagues. So because in a way, when you for when you move somewhere for work purposes, your colleagues are your first point of interaction, and and also they become your first friends. So it, hmm. it's very important to to have that kind of uh, group support group around you. And to understand, yes, it's it's very different. Um, Thailand was just an amazing experience. Um, uh, a country that never sleeps, as they say, it's just awake all the time. Everything is open. There's so much to do there. Uh, language is very different. Um, the 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 attitude of people is 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 also um, very unique in in the sense they're very soft spoken. Um, and uh, as compared to maybe where I come from, Pakistan, we were more very vocal about things. So just you have to tone down a bit your your volume and, and, and your expression or, or passion, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so that, that helps. Um, moving to Vietnam was also very different, different, very different to Thailand itself. I think Vietnam is a very bustling, fast-paced uh, society um, with a very, uh, I would say, uh, committed workforce over there. And they're, they're also very vocal when it comes to uh, their opinions and a very proud nation. Um, and again, beautiful country. I spent a little time there, uh, really enjoyed myself. And then moving to Switzerland, which was very different to the, the other two countries. Again, um, very quiet place, beautiful. Everybody kind of stays, um, respects your privacy to the extent you feel like, hey, oh, it's too quiet, nobody's talking to me. But now, again, you have to adapt and you have to, yeah. um, you have to find those openings where you can um, integrate yourself in, into society and, and into the different communities that you work and live in. And uh, yeah, being in Switzerland, spending close to five years, I, I think that that taught me a lot of healthy uh, habits. Um, a lot of recycling is where I, I learned over there. And, uh, and, and, and also eating great food, uh, healthy food, and, uh, and, and spending a lot of time outdoors. So Switzerland is all about out, the outdoors and the neighboring countries. There's such easy access when you live in Europe to go from one place to the other. And then moving to the U.S., totally different world. And uh, I think uh, 
there were similarities of Thailand in there um, in terms of a city, a country that again is open all the time. You're you mm. you have everything in one country. You have a whole continent and every kind of uh, ecosystem to offer. And and again, the openness and 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 the um, proactiveness of people in terms of just random chats, whether you're on the subway, on the train, mm. on the street. I mean, you only find that in the U.S. where people just talk to you, mm. compliment you on something, or ask you something about what you're wearing or what you're reading. You don't find that in other places. So, and then that's the kind of person I am. So I kind of like yeah. Like it, a lot, you know. it sounds like you really transitioned into these countries really easily, and you seem like a really easy person to get along with. So I'm I'm wondering perhaps this isn't something that happened but did your ethnicity ever um make it harder to mingle or um get to know the culture in any way it's a good question and and i think it depends on the, your own experience how positive or not so positive they have been but what you can do from your side is be the best uh, self, bring bring your best self forward. Be the best ambassador of whether it's your country or your or your ethnicity or your religion, whatever you want to say, um, and and show that because I think it's very important on how you use your beliefs in a public mm. setting or in an office environment. It's it's not about uh, who you are, but you always need to find the commonalities and the positives in what your beliefs are and, and, and what your upbringing has been and how they kind of, uh, in a way, mix with where you are. And uh, so I would say uh, you, you, you take an example like food or you take an example um, of, of a family environment and, and well, what is it that that's common and that would work well and and then uh, in a way speak to the other person's own uh, environment and how how do you make sure that that they they weave into each other and then they see that oh we have some similarities i mean we may speak a different language we may have a different religion mm. we may look different but uh, you need to look at what works and, and what appeals to the other side and also learn um, while you're there. You cannot accept uh, people to, to integrate if you just don't want to change a bit. And this is a yeah. topic we can talk about all day and then and, and, and we mm. can keep that for a, another time. But it's your own experience. You stay positive. There will always be some incidents where you you'll feel you're being targeted maybe that's not the case sometimes you are targeted because you were there you were there someone had a bad day and and just wanted to lash out at you but yeah. uh, your reaction to it is very important on, on how you deal with it whether it's walking away from it whether it's very um in a very civilized manner dealing with it uh, or, or what, what do you do about it? So because that will stick with you for some time if it escalates and it becomes ugly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm say I'm quite uh, lucky that I haven't been into any nasty incidents. You, you have it. I mean, I've traveled the world a lot, about like maybe around 40 countries. And uh, there have been times at the immigration when your passport is treated differently, but you just have to be patient because like acting in a very uh, emotional way or, or in an aggressive way, not going to help you at any time. Just, and things, things will settle down. You just have to be patient and, and sometimes and, and just be your best, be, be um, very civil about it, as I say, and, and, and look at it. But I don't say I've been discriminated as much or any ways in my job or in uh, any of the places that I've stayed in. Um, and it's, it's just part and parcel of every society that there will be preferences and there will be, uh, yeah, things that people don't know. So that's why they're not very comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Um, did you ever get homesick, um, you know, living away in these countries? Did you ever miss home? So I always try to go home once a year. I think the longest I've maybe not been to Karachi would be two years, but never longer than that. And that that helps. Uh, and whenever you go, you take some time off so you can spend time with family, with friends um, and, and with previous colleagues. But 
I get homesick uh, maybe sometimes when I think about my childhood days and that kind of uh, um, camaraderie that we had amongst friends, especially we, we were like pranksters sitting uh, in this corner of the street and like <laughs> having a good laugh on every, whether it was amongst ourselves, we would be the victims sometimes, we would be the perpetrators sometimes. I mean, love doing that. And, and uh, those friends are still friends. We are in different parts of the world. We talk about those times. We were passionate about cricket. We were passionate about just sitting uh, together after dinners, getting out together and, and, and weekends going out, having a good time. But uh, yeah, I do miss that part. Uh, but, but I would say I'm not homesick to the extent that I, I stay up crying at night. So I want to go back home now. That's <laughs> not the case. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what were some of the sacrifices you had to make? Or, I mean, you might not have had to make any, but if you did, um, what were the kind of sacrifices you had to make to build your career? Yeah, sometimes you just have to um, take a risk and, and walk away from something you're very comfortable with. It could be a job, it could be a country you live, you love living in. It could be... Um, your personal circumstances, the relationship you're in, um, the friends that you have. I mean, how, how do you make that decision on when things are working well, you're so comfortable, but also you need to move your career forward. And that's why I always thought, and that's my advice I give to um, colleagues or, or younger um, professionals who wanna move up uh, or, or make yeah. a career out of what they're doing. You have to, you have to make that move. Um, if, if you have to change either jobs or you have to change, as I said, settings. And that is a faster way of, of moving up on um, in your career rather than staying in the same location, in the same job, and then trying to be promoted or, or, or move ahead. Sacrifices are made more by people around you also. Um, in my case, my wife has made a lot of sacrifices. Um, she, she, she had a better career than I had. Where, and then when we moved countries, there were some places where spousal employment wasn't allowed, uh, wasn't very easy to find. And, and so she had to sacrifice a lot over there. Kids sacrifice, um, changing education systems from time to time. Mm. Um, yeah, that, and that's not easy. It can be pretty traumatic. So we've, we've tried to uh, phase it out in a way which has been less um, disruptive for them. On my own side, I think it's it's been um, the time, the number of hours I've put in when I had to study and work together was I think quite difficult. And, and uh, I still remember, I just didn't have any time for anything. I mean, mm. all I did yeah. was go to work and then study and then go to sleep, get up, work and study. There was not much left to do and, and that can be taxing. But if you know things are um, for, uh, they're temporary and they're not permanent in nature, those, those kind of engagements you are in or, those time commitments that you have made, then it's worth the effort because you see the end, the finish line then. Yeah. And it does help. And I think whatever I've done is, is, has been instrumental in, in moving my career forward. So I never regret any decision hmm. is my motto uh, because at that given point of time and your mental state and your situation, this is the only decision you would have taken. So don't go back and regret that, that why didn't I do A, B or C? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good advice for people out there. Um, so were there any days when you were studying or working where the motivation really wasn't there um, and procrastination took over? And if so, how did you beat that? How did you overcome it? Yeah, procrastination is part of everybody's life. You would do that anywhere, whether it's work, if there's a chore at home, whether it's just like when do I take my car to get it inspected or mm -hmm. there are things that, when there are things which are time bound, you push to do them uh, more than things that are open-ended. So, um, and when you're down, for me, my biggest coping mechanism is um, 
I love, um, and it, it may sound very trivial, but I do love playing very simple games on my phone. Mm. Uh, I was a big Candy Crush fan. I kind of hit 3,000 levels before. <laughs> I, I kind of, uh, yeah, it just, when I changed phones, I lost the whole progress on it. So that was, that was very devastating for me. But no, mm. so you find something simple to do, which kind of distracts you. And, and, and also I, I like to keep in touch with uh, friends. I like to take out time with my um, kids and with my wife and, and for us to also watch TV. I love watching TV. Um, so to, just to distract you sometimes and, and change your state of mind because uh, you do need it. It's, it's not about like, if you can't study, you should study harder. No, that doesn't work. You need to go back, mm. go out, come back in and, and, and try again. So it, it works. Um, so yeah, those are something we, when, when the, when the theaters were open or, or the movies theaters were open, we used to go and watch a lot of movies then we don't do that now, but we try to still follow some, uh, series on, on different streaming, uh, services and, and binge watch and, and look at that. That's that I'm, I'm, there hasn't been much time to go outdoors, uh, much opportunities to go outdoors in the last yeah. 40, 16 months, but, um, but we've kind of found ways of coping inside too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You come across as someone that's quite self-disciplined. So I'm just wondering where does your your work ethic and that sort of mentality come from? Is it something you had as a young child or you just yeah. learn to grow that in your personality? I mean when I when we were kids, we were we had uh, our father was quite strict so uh, in the sense mm. that strict to the a level where um, you knew there were consequences to everything. So you kind of like uh, tried to survive and, and you tried to cope with it and um, try to stay afloat as they say. But yeah. the discipline part, I would say, I'm very, I, I know exactly what I want in life and, and, and what, uh, what I'm satisfied with, which is very easy actually. I'm not a very demanding person when it comes to myself and what I need. And, and whatever comes, I accept it and uh, and, and go yeah. with it. But uh, but you have to be um, in, in work. I think you need to be more disciplined also because you are um, when you are at a certain level, you have responsibility for people who work with you. And uh, yeah. and if you are not role modeling discipline, whether it's like not trying to uh, engage people in, in work-related uh, activities outside office hours, letting them have their vac vacations or their weekends, mm. respecting those. Uh, I think you need to be disciplined when it comes to that. Because for me, um, and I keep focusing on that, like attitude for me at work in life is more important than the experience or, or, or the yeah. expertise that you have. And, and, and things can be learned but mm. your attitude is something you control and that kind of drives everything you do, everything you uh, take up or, or, or your interactions with people. So the attitude part for me is positive, respectful. Um, you can have fun. You don't have to be super intense, uh, but, but at the same time, yeah, yeah. If you are seen as someone that adds value to people's lives mm. or their careers, I think they will respect you for that. And, um, and and that's that's something I've always lived by. Yeah. yeah, and I know you're someone that keeps up with a lot of uh, technology and modern affairs. So, how have you managed to do that over the years when the world's always changing and things yeah. you need to learn all the time? Well, it's good to work with younger people and to have kids in your house. So technology is something they throw at you too. And uh, sometimes my daughter just embarrasses me, saying, "You don't know about <laughs> this app, or you don't know about like." <laughs> The way they study now and the way we studied is very different. Um, yeah. They just get their um, Chromebook from the school and everything is online and everything is interactive. They don't have any books they need to carry to school like we did. So you learn, you learn um, a lot. I, I have, I, th I think uh, in my previous jobs, uh, I was quite uh, hands-on also. I, I loved uh, using different software and, and systems. Um, and as you uh, grow upwards in your career, you get less, you're less and less exposed to, to doing that. And, and but yeah. I try always to make sure that I, I keep up with it. Um, 
I think have having smartphones has helped. Having apps there mm. has helped. Um, but also um, working during COVID, I think all of these technologies that we have been using, whether it's 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 for meetings or whether it's also for having different kinds of um, uh, dashboards and 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 uh, polls and all of those things on, yeah. on on your work, I think that that all helps. And you need to keep keep updated because if you're not, then mm. what what else are you adding value by doing? Of course, your experience is one thing, but it has to be a combination of how yeah. you use that to communicate with people or, or yeah. relate. Yeah. yeah. How do you balance your uh, work life and your personal life? I'm, I'm doing pretty well, I must say, in that. Uh, I try, I, I'd start a bit early. Um, probably 7, 7.15 in the morning. I'm a, I'm a morning person and I don't drink tea or coffee, so I don't need to be stimulated to be ready to go in the morning. I've never been into tea or coffee in, in, in my life. So um, I'm, I'm hyper by nature. So I get up seven and, and then I try to switch off by five, 5.30. And then once I switch off, I switch off. I don't try to then uh, uh, just keep looking at my phone because work never stops. You need to learn that. Yeah. There's no job which stops. So how, where, where is it that you kind of uh, pull the plug and say that's enough for the day? And weekends, I really try not to do any work unless there are emergencies, which of course we we get contacted on our phone if there's an emergency or, or mm -hmm. something happens in part of the world where we need to be contacted. I try to avoid responding because by responding on weekends or after working hours, you are encouraging others to do the same. And then the expectation that you would do the same next time is there. So you need to manage that. So that's how we kind of maintain the, the hours at, with the family and the hours at work. And then we do try in summer to take a break. And also in winter, uh, me and my wife, we kind of alternate. Um, if she goes first on travel and then I go. So we kind of try to also give each other a break, but also make sure. And the kids these days, you know how they are. They just don't want to go anywhere. They just want to be in their room with their device and that's their world and they don't want to get out. Um, we try a lot. So, you know, we're not successful every time, but we do try mm -hmm. and, and get them out of it. Yeah. Um, okay, so when I say the word um, success to you, what does that word mean to you? Success means um, everything that you wanted to achieve and uh, that it has had a positive impact on everyone. Yeah. Nice. What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received? Yes. Um, it was a great advice, which said that never have the imposter syndrome, which means never think any job is too big for you. Don't ever think you're an imposter in that role. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, and who would you say is the most influential person in your life at the moment? At the moment, um, that's very, I've never thought about that ever so now you're getting me to what about in the past then in terms of you um rising in your career yeah so there, there's been um one person in my career that i've always um kind of envied and looked up to he was my boss at, at a certain time too but we have been uh, more like friends and um he's he's a couple of years older than me but we we're very close friends and uh, Professionally, I would say that's the person I've really looked up to and what he has achieved. And I've kind of always followed him in a way that and followed him physically in locations also, like we've kind of overlapped in many different places. Uh, so yeah, I would say that's the person and without giving any names, he would know who he is. Okay, that's great. And um, obviously you've already achieved quite a lot, but what, do you have any more goals left you wanna achieve? In life. Yeah, the, yeah the, you never stop thinking of what you can achieve and it always uh, doesn't have to be in the field you're working in. I, I, I've loved working in HR for more than 20 years now and, and I think um, my next move should be in a different field. And as a 
young person uh, at the time, I was always interested in being a sportscaster um, okay. or, or like a host of a show or something like that on, on TV. That didn't happen, but you never know. It's never too late. Uh, I also don't mind uh, or, or would really be excited if I could get the opportunity to go back and work in the field. Uh, go and work in places where you could uh, make a significant impact um, directly rather than at, at a corporate level or yeah. at chorus level. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't mind doing that. that. That for me would bring a lot of enrichment to what I've done yeah, and what I need to do in life. Nice. I've got another question that might make you think a little bit. Um, what does happiness mean to you? Yeah, happiness is is a in the moment thing, and I think you should. Uh, for me, happiness is it is now, and I'm just talking to you without any thinking about anything else in life, and and being relaxed, or it it uh, it it could be while I'm uh, out with family and we're we're having a good drive and we we're going through a beautiful location, looking at it, talking about it. So happiness is in the moment and whenever it happens, you need to make sure you cherish it and, and you take advantage of it because having a happy life throughout, I, I don't think that exists. You always have your ups and downs. But yeah, for me, it's, it's in the moment when you feel that there's nothing else in life that matters. That's happiness. Yeah. And what was the most or is the most uplifting part of your life that you remember? Of course, getting married is an experience you don't forget. And um, <laughs> in my wife, we've been married now for 21 years. We got married in 2000, so it's always easy to calculate. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that, <laughs> that I think was, for me, that was one of the, Personally, it was a really big moment in, in, in life. Um, the fact that you know that there's somebody willing to spend the rest of their life with you, or at least allegedly to start off with. So, <laughs> so yeah, that, that for me, I would say was a very impactful. In terms of work, I would say my, um, my move from Pakistan to Thailand, that first job that I have, I thought that was for me a very uh, important moment and, and that changed my career. Yeah. 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 And kind of like just finishing off a bit, as someone that's experienced a lot of challenges in your life so far and had to tackle a lot of different um, uh, new experiences, what kind of advice would you give to people who are kind of thinking they're facing an insurmountable challenge that they're finding it quite difficult to overcome? Yeah. Um, I think when you are faced with a challenge, your mindset is very different to someone who has been through it and come out of it and, and come out better uh, at the end. So in, in hindsight, you can give that advice, but I would say that what you're feeling at, at that moment, uh, whether you're overwhelmed, whether you're really feeling down or um, you don't see any hope, it's, it's, it will happen and, and that's fine. But for me, like this, the day after or a week after or a month after life is so different. So you, you just don't let uh, that moment consume you. You will come out of it. There's always a way to come out of it. And uh, just to stay positive, uh, being positive is a very important thing, which, which includes always thinking of, scenario, of scenarios where you would need that positivity and how you would react to it. That does help. That yeah. does prepare you for such uh, setbacks. And, and that there's always a, a place and time for everything. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't mean it won't work out later or whatever. If it works out differently in a different situation, that could also be good for you. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, Thank it's you so been, much. Yeah, it's been really insightful. And uh, I think we both learned a lot and everyone watching has learned a lot. Um, yeah, go on, Zara. I've got one last question. Can you describe yourself in three words? Um, hyper, <laughs> um, excited, and positive. Yeah. Brilliant. And we just like to finish off with a little segment we call rapid fire questions. Sure. Uh, so just a series of questions and just answer with the first thing that comes in your head. So are you ready to start that? Yeah. Okay. okay. So winter or summer? 
Winter, any day. <laughs> night in or night out? Night out. Food or sleep? Food. New York or Washington? Washington, DC. Um, describe Karachi in one word. Hectic. <laughs> uh, favorite cuisine? Japanese. Favorite dessert? Ice cream. Favorite singer? Aha, the band. All time, favorite. Favorite actor? Hmm, favorite actor? Keanu Reeves. Uh, favorite movie? Favorite movie, um, a few. I would say um, Top Secret as a comedy movie when I was young. Um, I also like Troy, the one with Brad Pitt in it. Okay. And um, The Patriot with Mel Gibson. In it. Nice, nice choice. So the underdog stories, I love that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, what's one item you cannot live without? Um, my phone. <laughs> I think that's everyone's answer, isn't it? <laughs> um, favorite subject at school? At school, um, my God, school was bad. <laughs> the least disliked subject then? The least disliked subject would probably be English. Okay, nice. Um, if you could meet anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Um, hmm. That's interesting. Probably if I could meet uh, um, Muhammad Ali, the boxer. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a lot of people's answers. Um, what's one thing that surprises others about you? That I have a, a serious side of me too, or I can be sometimes more, uh, let's say, uh, I can ponder over things because mm -hmm. I do come across as, as like it's fun all the time yeah. yeah okay and the final question is if you had to choose one age of your life what would you say is the happiest age of your life I think so you mean a range or a, a, a year uh, one year if uh, you can think of one otherwise a range is fine yeah I think uh, it would be the early 20s so anything 22, 23, yeah, for me, that was the best time. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, like I said, it's been great having you on and learn a lot and really enjoyed the episode. Um, yeah, so thanks everyone for watching and we'll see you all on the next episode of Moladina Talks. Thank, Thank you, you and good luck Bye. to both of you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.